You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee, and in today's special episode, I'm joined by Brandon Baker, Vice President of Development at RAND. Welcome, Brandon. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. So as you know, virtually every week on this show, we discuss newly published RAND research. But today, Brandon, you're here to talk about something that's often happening long before that research is published or makes it to this show, and that's fundraising. More specifically, RAND's current campaign, which is called Tomorrow Demands Today. Can you tell us what this campaign's all about? Yeah, sure. Thanks for for that question. The campaign is really about five major priorities um, for RAND, and it, it stems from uh, work in our communities and our neighborhoods to research that's going to help us build new um, ways of, of thinking about uh, our institutions that govern us, uh, to our party-ran graduate school, to you know keeping RAND agile, allowing us to really pivot and make uh, decisions uh, to support research that we feel is very important for for the time that we're in. Um, and I can give an example of that soon. But one of the other major components of this campaign is our fight to counter truth decay. Um, and that is one of the overarching components of this campaign. We feel that if we if we can't solve this, we can't really do much in our line of work for policy uh, decision making. And so the fundraising that we're doing is while while it's supporting these particular priorities in these areas that I just listed, it's really about advancing the research, advancing the opportunity for making policy available to decision makers, and really um, advancing our people at RAND um, to be able to do the work that we know they're so talented in, and, and being able to give them the resources to be able to drive the research that's really going to make society a much better place. Excellent. Thank you. That Those all sound like really worthy causes, worthy goals. And um, truth decay in particular is, is something that we discuss a lot on Policy Currents. So I know that um, some of our listeners may be familiar with that. Um, can you talk about what the ultimate goal of this campaign is? What is it that you're working toward? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's definitely the money goal. Obviously, um, any campaign that sets out, there's, um, financial goals associated with it. And we have a target of raising $400 million, um, which is the largest campaign in RAND's history. Um, and it is, uh, it's going well. We are, um, excited to announce very soon that we are crossing the halfway point of raising $200 million towards that $400 million goal. And that is, that is a major goal, but each, each of the priorities that I outlined have uh, various goals uh, tied to them. We have, you know, we have goals to raise more chair funding, um, more fellowship funding for our researchers. Uh, we have goals to raise more scholarship funding, dissertation support for our graduate school. And we have goals really to, to make sure that RAND and the Party RAND Graduate School is in a great place for decades to come. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, providing the financial resources that are unrestricted, um, that allows us to make pivots and to make turns and to, to make um, decisions based on what's going on in the current day. For instance, we're currently going through a global pandemic, one that we didn't realize was going to last um, quite as long um, as it has. Because we had unrestricted funding that was brought in through gifts through this campaign, we were able to immediately pivot and do really amazing research 
on COVID-19 focused on policy decisions that are actually being put into practice. And so that's why there's so so important to have sort of an, an agile thinking in terms of campaign fundraising. Um, while we try to restrict things based on goals, it's always important to have flexibility. And our donors have been so generous in allowing us to do that. Wonderful. And I, you mentioned the pandemic, and I um, I want to ask you a little bit more uh, a little bit later, but I'm also curious to know if there are any other specific uh, research areas or specific programs or initiatives that some of this money that you've raised so far has gone toward. Um, I know that every gift counts and it all matters, but I'm just wondering if there are particular areas that you think are worth highlighting. Yeah, Deanna, that's a great question. And you're absolutely right. Every gift really does matter. Um, No matter the size, it all adds up and it's really significant um, to the campaign. A couple of gifts that I'm really excited about that have established uh, some really unique ways of looking at our research um, and expanding on our research, actually. One is a $10 million gift that we received from uh, the Daniel Epstein Family Foundation to support our veterans policy research, um, which created a new institute um, for that body of work. Um, And it really allowed us to expand on work that we've already been doing in the veterans and military caregiver space. But really, it's allowing us to expand upon that and and really do a great deal of, of work that's going to really impact veterans for years to come from focusing on education and labor um, to mental health um, to homelessness. And speaking of homelessness, another significant gift that we worked on um, was from one of our trustees, Peter Lowy, who also made a $10 million um, investment um, in the campaign, which actually supports two centers. One is um, supporting housing and homelessness in Los Angeles. So it's a very unique um, region-specific gift that's going to really help L.A. County focus on a major problem that we have with our homeless population. Um, And of course, that is very close to home as our headquarters are here in Santa Monica. And the other piece of his gift um, supports a center for uh, pathways to the middle class, which really allows us to focus on entrepreneurship opportunities, um, labor opportunities that are really going to improve the paths for um, people uh, to, to, to focus on getting them on a middle class level. Um, and so we're really excited about these particular opportunities. It's a way for our donors to be proud of some of the work that we've done, but really help us push the, the research forward in unique ways. Absolutely. It's it's really impressive. And, you know, we're definitely looking forward to being able to talk about some of this forthcoming work on the podcast. And I know we've already discussed some of it already. I'm I'm also curious, I think that you are in a pretty unique position in leading this effort. I'm sure that you have traveled a lot, maybe not as much as you uh, would have had there not been a pandemic, but I'm sure you've still talked to quite a few people. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, have you found in your conversations with people that, that they're engaged on the kind of policy issues that Rand is tackling day to day? Are, are they hopeful for the future in terms of policy and decision making? What's your, um, what's your take on things? Yeah, it's it's it, it definitely has been um, a challenge during COVID to connect with people the way that we had before um, before this happened. But we're back to traveling again um, safely, of course, and uh, we're back to seeing um, many of our donors, our individuals, our foundations again back in person. And it's been so inspiring to see them after we've gone through this together, this pandemic together, and. 
You're absolutely right. They they are very eager to see policy solutions put to practice. They're very eager to see RAND at the forefront of that as well, which I'm very encouraged by. People who support RAND are our donors, our board members, and, and the like. They're very, very interested in what RAND has to say about a particular issue because they know that we tackle it from a nonpartisan standpoint. They know that we tackle it with very rigorous research that's been put through um, incredible quality assurance to make sure that it is accurate and that it is, you know, the best research possible. And so they are very, very um, hopeful. But I do think that, you know, they, they realize that we have our work cut out for us. But that that honestly helps me in these conversations with philanthropists to say, you're right, we do have our work cut out for us. And but we need the funding and the the, the ability to be able to go after those problems. And it really opens up the conversation to talk about their philanthropy and how they want to support Rand um, in the work that we're doing. That's great to hear. Um, I want to go back to talking about the pandemic a little bit. You've touched on that a couple times now. Obviously, when COVID-19 hit here in the U.S., um, we all had to make changes, sometimes very drastic changes. And I believe that the campaign launched right around the time the pandemic hit here. So I'm just wondering, did you and your team have to pivot quite a bit? Did you have to come up with any creative solutions to execute the campaign the way that maybe you thought you wouldn't have prior to COVID-19? Very good memory. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We we were set to launch our public phase of the campaign um, in March of 2020. Um, and we actually had a massive tent set up with a big event that we were going to um, really celebrate with those donors who had gotten us um, to a certain point um, during our silent phase fundraising. Um, which was basically the two years prior. And so we canceled that event um, out of an abundance of caution um, because we were we were set to go about a week before the the real shutdown started in March of 2020. So we immediately had to pivot. We had to we I had never fundraised in a pandemic. Um, my team had never fundraised in a pandemic. And I've gone through certain kinds of financial um, lulls in the economy, and we've fundraised, and we've we've come out, you know, stronger because of those. But this was a different situation. I'd never been in a in a situation where I couldn't see people, and as you can imagine, you know, philanthropy is a very personal job, and and, and working with philanthropists is about building relationships, and so it was very concerning. And so, what we decided to do very early on is to quickly transition obviously to zoom and to you know teams and some other platforms that that we all you know had to adjust to and really try to engage our community with our researchers in a unique way very focused on covid but not just specifically on the the actual um, disease itself but how it was impacting various components of our everyday life from you know the education system to you know the PPE issues that we had um, at the very beginning, you know how was Rand able to actually tackle some of those issues, um, and what what were our researchers saying that you know that we needed to accomplish in two months, six months, eight months, a year um, from now in order to be able to combat this this um, particular pandemic. And so we were able to connect our researchers to small groups. We kept people you know engaged in that way so that they could actually have conversations. 
Um, we actually learned a lot during the pandemic too about in t- ways that we should engage people um, and ways that we need to keep them in touch with us. Um, the small group settings work because it was able to really spark conversation and spark thoughts that our um, researchers may not have had um, prior to, to the conversations. So while we had to um, figure out a new way of, of keeping people engaged, we also had to figure out a new way of asking people for gifts in a pandemic when it wasn't as personal as being in front of them, um, at, you know, in front of them during a meal or, you know, coffee. It was it was I was in front of them on a Zoom call. And that that, of course, has its limitations. But we have a really wonderful donor base and we have a really wonderful um, group of philanthropists that support Rand. Um, and they understood, you know, the circumstances, but they also understood that they felt like they had an, a responsibility to continue supporting RAND, which is why we decided to go ahead and launch the public phase. Um, we knew that RAND is an organization that is very, very important during situations like this. And and so that is that is a big driver of why we decided to go ahead and launch uh, the campaign in 2020, um, at least the public phase of the campaign. And, and it was a big driver in why we needed to stay connected to these donors, to our alumni, to our RAND alumni, to our party RAND graduate school alumni, um, and to our foundation um, partners as well. Well, it sounds like you really persevered. And for the record, I hope you never have to fundraise in a pandemic again. <laughs> so um, we can we can all look forward, hopefully, to more normal times ahead. And speaking of looking ahead, you mentioned the campaign is just about halfway there now, which I know is a huge accomplishment. Obviously, uh, there's still halfway to go. So what's the focus of the campaign for the immediate future or maybe even beyond that? Is anything changing? Are there different priorities from this point forward or any specific areas that you're looking to fund now? Yeah, great, great question, too. And, um, you know, as campaigns evolve, um, there, a typical campaign lifespan is about seven years. You do a couple of years of silent phase fundraising where you, you sort of justify your goal in terms of being able to say, okay, we do, we, we do have the potential to raise this much money. But even during the public phase of a campaign, they evolve. Campaigns, the, the messaging evolves. Um, things change. We, we had no idea we were going to go through a pandemic, um, you know, two, two and a half, three years ago um, when we were in our silent phase years. And so that has even, you know, caused us to think through our, our priorities. But as priorities get developed and priorities get funded in the early stages of a campaign, that obviously helps drive more fundraising in the, into those directions. For instance, the three areas I talked about earlier with our Veterans Policy Research Institute, our Center on Pathways to the Middle Class, and our Center for Housing and Homelessness in Los Angeles County, those, those kinds of things, those opportunities that are funded early on help drive a lot of new conversations with new donors and lead us to new potential opportunities for foundation grants and for individual gifts um, from from people um, that we may or may not have had the opportunity to talk with. So those were always those were those were already priorities, but now they become even stronger. Um, but we still have a whole list of opportunities that that range from the the, pri- the five priorities I stated at the beginning of this this discussion, from you know supporting our people um, through impact awards, through chairs and fellowships um, that are that are very specific to research topics, to supporting our students at the party and graduate school. To, to really focusing in on, on combating uh, truth decay. Um, those will always be driving 
priorities for this campaign. Um, and as we grow and we evolve in, you know, to, to the later years of this campaign and we get closer to the $400 million goal, you know, we, we will certainly be looking at ways to extend, you know, the fundraising priorities past the campaign years so that we, we do continue to raise, um, funds for these, these things that we've started and, and established during this campaign. Excellent. And, you know, I think the examples you've provided in terms of what the campaign has funded so far have really provide um, good insight into what is possible. And it, it's it's really impressive to hear. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to learning more about what's coming. Um, but, you know, I think maybe there's only one question to ask. And let's say, I've got my checkbook out, or more likely, I've got my phone out, and I'm ready to give to the campaign or learn more about giving to the campaign. How do I do that? Yeah, well, I love that question. I, I, um, I think the easiest way um, to tell our listeners is to go to campaign.rand.org, which is our um, specific uh, website for. Um, the campaign and you'll learn about all the priorities, things that you could support there. I get ideas. Um, but of course, any of one of my development staff members, we were actually listed on that, that website. Um, we can help with any kind of conversations that you want to have. And there's so many opportunities to support Rand and, and we really want to align each person or foundation's priorities with what we're doing as well. It's all about a conversation and it all starts there with, with just an interest in RAND. And then let's talk more about what, what policy, you know, interests do you have? And, and let's, and let's sort of engage that way so that we can find out where your philanthropy could really make a difference and where you'll be proud to support at RAND. One thing that I really love about this organization and it's something that I haven't really experienced at any other place that I've worked, um, is, the amount of support that we receive for our unrestricted funds, like our president's fund or our dean's discretionary fund for the, the graduate school, we have, you know, board members and individuals that are making very significant gifts to these funds because they trust this organization to do what's right um, with funding. They trust this organization to make the right decisions when times are tough. And, you know, and we've had some very significant outcomes because of that. I, I talked a little bit earlier about the work that we did, were able to pivot and do to support, you know, policy and decision making around the COVID-19 pandemic. But one of the most significant ways that we've been able to use this funding is to develop our Center to Advance Racial Equity Policy and really put together a work, a body of work on the things that we're doing to advance racial equity um, in this country. And, and that's something I'm very proud of that the funding for the president's fund was that allowed us to do that. You don't get that at other organizations. Sometimes the, the, the president's funds are used to keep the lights on at some organizations. That's not the case at Rand. It's really about allowing our president to, to really make the right decisions to be able to advance a research agenda that we know we need to tackle immediately. Um, and that's what's exciting. Um, so if you're ready to write a check, there are many ways that you can do that. One of the best ways is to write it to support the Rand President's Fund. Um, if there's if there's opportunities that that um, folks want to discuss, I want to talk to them. I want to talk about what what excites them, what makes them you know get up every day, but also what are you worried about? What are the things that we need to be focused on? Because I know that there's an opportunity to to, to make it work and to make a, a gift really matter at Rand as well. 
Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. Dana, thanks so much for having me. This was really fun and I'm happy to join you anytime. And we're looking forward to discussing more of the research that comes out of the campaign on this show. But for now, that's it for today's bonus episode of Policy Currents. If you want to learn more about the RAND campaign and how to donate, visit campaign.rand.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back to our regular schedule with new episodes every Friday.